0: Australia is more diverse than ever, and there's no longer an average Aussie. There are new waves of uncertainty with market and consumer changes taking place more rapidly than ever. This week on Umbrella, Google Australia and New Zealand's Managing Director of Sales Specialists, Rhys Williams, explains how automation can help businesses meet consumers where they are and react to changing preferences as they happen. Read all about it on Umbrella.com.au. <music> Welcome back to the Mumbrella cast, I'm your host Calm Jasmine, and we're there. It's the end of the year. Today we're going to be bringing you the biggest storylines of 2022 in the media and marketing industry selected by our editorial team before we then get into what is becoming an end of year tradition with CEO of publicist group ANZ, Michael Ribello joining the podcast. Over the course of that chat, he speaks about how involved he still likes to get in pitches for his massive scope of local agencies, the ability to shift talent within the network, why bad behavior needs to be stamped out of untransparent pitches, whether publicists could move to a four-day working week, and correcting shifts in the talent market after three years of turbulence. Joining me today for his last Mumbrella cast appearance is acting managing editor, Andrew Banks. Hey, Banksy.
1: Hey, Cal, it's a, it's a sad one.
0: It's a sad one indeed. Uh, it's been great having you all year on this, Banksy. Freshly Minted Features Editor Emma Shepherd. Hey, Em.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: Reporter Kalila Welch. Hey, K-Dog.
3: Hello, thanks for including me.
0: Reporter Darcy Song. Hey, Darcy.
3: Hello. And
0: Editorial Director Damien Francis. Hey, Damo.
4: Melbourne Bureau Chief, it's a pleasure to be here again.
0: Uh, another big year for the team so well done for getting through it all um this is the last episode of our regular programming for the year but it won't be the last podcast in your feeds for 2022 so look out for tomorrow's episode which i would urge you to listen to if you do get the chance um so let's, let's get straight into this. This is how it's going to work. You're each going to get 90 seconds to lay down your biggest storyline of the year and tell listeners why it mattered. Instead of going through um, some sort of order, I've loaded your names into a fun wheel, which is going to decide the order, and it's also going to keep you on your toes. So...
4: If we go over 90 seconds, is there some sort of...
0: Buzzer. You'll just be cut off. You'll just you'll just be completely cut off. May <laughs> as well go over 90 seconds <laughs> That's then. Right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Click to spin. First up is Banksy. Banksy, take wow. it away. Wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I've got 90 seconds, so I'm going to start with... You've just used 20 of them, mate. <laughs> That's right. What a year for the metaverse, hey? I mean, it was just everywhere, wasn't it? not um look remember at the tail end of last year when meta rebranded and said that they were going to be the next best thing about meta was going to be all over metaverse and they were going to own it their ad revenues i think climbed 33 and then we hit the start of the year and the oz open started minting their tennis balls i think 6,000 tennis balls as nfts vice media built an office there WPP's Hogarth launched the Metaverse Foundry. It it started to look like a lot like the Metaverse was taking off, and then all of a sudden, uh, Darcy drops the Ipsos report saying that only forty four percent of Australia actually had any idea what the Metaverse was, and that even less, I think thirty six percent, said they had no plans at all to engage in extended reality in daily life, but. The metaverse train carried on. We had the Wonder, Wonderman Thompson launching an activation in Cannes, and then I think at the Mumbrella 360 Cal, I think Imo Hewitt, Spark Foundry CEO, revealed to you that she wouldn't mind building a university in the metaverse. Um, it started to kind of get get a bit more traction, um, and then we had uh, essentially. Q3 results for Meta in November and then just the wheels fell off and essentially um, they decided that there was going to be layoffs and now it looks like there's not going to be a huge push for the Metaverse this year. So to me, it was it was kind of like Metaverse was going to be something big this year and then yeah, yep. it ended up being not much.
0: All right. Strong start. Um, <clears throat> who is going to be next? The wheel is spinning it's Kalila. Okay. Just, oh so, no, wait. It's it's switched over to Damo. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. sorry. I, didn't, I, you can't I called do it that, too mate. soon. No, I called it too soon. The wheel was still spinning.
4: Sort your house demo, out. Take it away. You had one job. <laughs> the biggest story in media and marketing this year, without a shadow of a doubt, has been Dentsu as a group and its uh, senior hires across the board. I don't think there is a month that has gone by in this entire year where Dentsu hasn't added uh, at least one senior hire somewhere in the group. I know we've got 90 seconds, and at the risk of missing someone out, which I guarantee that I will, let's just run through a few of these uh, big ones. Uh, Patricio DiMatteis is ANZ CEO. Kirsty Muddle kind of last year, to be fair. Dentsu she joined create, this year. Yeah. There you go. So there's technicalities there. There's even technicalities yeah. there. Danny Bassin is Dentsu Media CEO, John Riccio is Merkel APAC president, uh, we had uh, Ben Shepard as Chief Investment Officer at Dentsu Media, Fiona Johnston, Chief Client Officer for Dentsu Media, Avish Gordon and Mundy Van Der Velde who is Chief Creative Officers, Sarah McGregor, the BWM Isobar ECD, Gail Wiles, Chief Client Officer for Dentsu Creative, David Halter, Chief Strategy and Growth Officer, there's been so much going on. I think Darren Woolley summed it up perfectly when he said, uh, We've never seen this amount of movement at a group level. So 2023, Dentsu will definitely be the group to watch out for.
0: Fantastic. Uh, And if you want more on that, you can go back and listen to the episode. I believe it was two weeks ago with uh, Demo, Darren, and myself. Next up, here we go. Okay, it's Demo again. We'll switch that and spin that
2: again.
4: Do you want me to like roll out all those names again?
0: Yeah, if you could, that'd be great. No worries. Okay, it's me. Here we go. Uh, my biggest story of 2022 was the supermarket sector. Uh, 11 of our top 50 stories this year in the story we dropped this week related directly to either Coles, Woolies or Aldi. So here's a quick recap of what happened. At Coles, it called a bespoke pitch near the start of the year, inviting WPP, Omnicom and Publicis, signaling that it thought those three were the only groups domestically that could service all of its needs. WPP later had to exit as it got into bed with Woolworths and deal with its production house Hogarth. This has added more fuel to the talk of Woolies pitching its media in 2023, currently with Dentsu. Group M will be gunning for that one. Coles then added Accenture song and initiative to the list, which then made it to the final two alongside Omnicom before the incumbents surprised most by partnering up with Deloitte Digital to create Smith Street. Two weeks later and Ronson was out, which was our most read story of the year, with Sam McLeod, Coles' most senior front-facing marketer remaining, who Lisa also hired. She then followed her out the door, but just months later... Meanwhile, at Woolies, it responded to the launch of Coles 360, headed up by some well-known media agency folk by purchasing Shopper for a cool $150 million to put further distance between Cartology and the rest of the retail media market. Not to be forgotten, Aldi's highly regarded CMO, Mark Richardson, reappointed Zenith as its media agency before stepping down just a month later, with veteran Westpac marketer Jenny Melhewish coming in as a like-for-like replacement. Finally... Aldi came out with its You Can't Overcook Christmas Spot via BMF, which again outshone its competitors. All in a year's work. So that was quite a bit there. Next up, it's M.
2: My biggest topic of this year was following how Australians are consuming TV and how fragmented the market is getting. Why is this important? Well, because this makes it harder and harder for advertisers media buyers to know where to put their ad dollars to make a higher ROI. We know from recent Roy Morgan and Think TV research that BVOD is on the rise, no surprises there, Uh, but accelerating at a higher than predicted rate. In terms of linear TV this year, I have definitely seen some huge numbers during live sporting events, which I don't think will change anytime soon. But the numbers for the key tentpole programs are definitely on the decline And BVOD taking that audience share. Um, And even though we've seen linear TV audiences on the decline post-pandemic, I think, uh, you know, the TV networks, if they broaden their content distribution across, you know, their platforms and potentially other gateways like gaming consoles, uh, Apple TV and Samsung TV, that could potentially offset the pressure on linear audience erosion. Um, and I don't think Linear will die out in the next five years. I think advertisers will look, um, you know, to reach older demos, you know, with Linear TV um, and BVOD for the more niche, younger, skewed audiences. So my prediction is if an advertiser wants mass reach, well-targeted audiences as well, they'll have to have a hybrid buying approach and look at both.
0: Fantastic. And some interesting headwinds uh, on that, M in the UK with... Uh the BBC giving a timeline for when it's going to end its linear service as well. Okay. Next up, there's just two left. Uh, it is Darcy. All
5: right. Um, I feel like I'm kind of sick about talking of this thing at this stage, but I feel like you can't really go through it in review without talking about the Twitter story, which basically started at the start of the year and then, Still hasn't finished. It's like been occupying all the brown pages. But, you know, just to walk everyone through from January, you know, Elon Musk started buying Twitter shares. And by the time April rose around, he's the largest shareholder of the platform. And the same month, he made an unsolicited offer to buy Twitter. And in July, he tried to walk away. And by the end of October, the deal, you know, was finally finalized. But then there were even more dramas reinstating, you know, banned accounts, must lay off employees that left the apps stability and reputation in question. And brands are basically taking off from, from the platform. And, you know, as advertisers are all probably aware, this is mass, introduces massive brand safety concerns. And we, I mean, we've probably covered it before that some agencies have it, are increasingly hesitant about working with the platform. So, looking at some um, reflective figures like the one um, IPG's Magna released this month, so I think these turbulences are definitely showing their impact. Um, global ad sales of social media grew only four percent, whereas it grew you know twenty to thirty five percent in the past three years. And TikTok is the only platform that posted growth. Even next year is only expected to pick up slightly by seven percent. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these. Add dollars will flow to in the
0: Okay, finally, we don't need to spin the wheel for this one. Kalila, bring us home.
3: Lucky last. Um, so for me, uh, the biggest story of the year has been um, evolution of the talent crisis, specifically on the agency side of the industry. Um, obviously, changing economic conditions, the limits on immigration because of um, COVID fallout it drained the talent pool over the last couple of years. And by the end of last year, it was kind of all we were hearing about, um, and over the last twelve months, the situation has kind of flipped, um, which has been really fascinating to watch. Um, but back back to the start of the year or, or the end of last year, Cal, you reported closely on the talent shortage, um, and we said that it had created a perfect storm of pay rises and poaching. Um, obviously, the last year as well has seen a lot of changes in the top executive tier of Australia's AdLand uh, and many of those changes have been um, somewhat short-lived. The scale of the talent movement was said by many to be unprecedented um, with competition fierce as people fought over the same very small pool of local talent. Um, salaries were said to be jumping up 30% in some cases with um, particularly in the mid-weight skilled roles with um, un- unnamed industry source suggesting they'd seen salaries go from 60000 to 95000 in one go or 105,000 to 140,000, um, which was obviously unsustainable for the industry to maintain. Um, and as a result, we've seen this kind of crash um, where instead of people desperately looking for talent, they're um, kind of laying people off, I guess, in, um, en masse, um, as they're struggling to pay You know, these kind of blown out um, salaries for people that are underexperienced for the roles that they're filling. Um, just in the last month, as um, we've covered at Mumbrella, we've seen redundancies at the Royals, Cummins & Partners, AJF, Ogilvy, MNC and Saatchi and WPP, as well as a number of restructures, which no doubt um, are probably moving towards more cost efficient and streamlined ways of running the business.
0: All right, well, there you have it. According to our team, those are the biggest stories for 2022. Drop us a line if you think that we missed something, or tell us why you think another topic should have been in that list. Up next, a chat with the CEO of Publicist ANZ, Michael Rubello. CEO of Publicis Group ANZ and back on the Mumbrella cast for a third end-of-year episode in a row. Michael Ribello,
6: nice to see you and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Callum. It's, uh, it's glad, I'm glad to be back here. Uh, hopefully back by popular demand, but uh, it's <laughs> becoming a bit of a an interview Christmas tradition. So um, uh, I'm you know, really pleased to be here talking to you. So
0: again, we are recording it uh, in the Publicis HQ um last year was with uh damien who's now obviously as you know returned to mumbrella um walk through your big office here uh how's ha- the year gone getting everyone back in what's the has has the workflow come back towards the end of this year
6: hey Ken, look it's great to do it with you this year i missed damo but welcome him back to mumbrella as well hey look it's been a it's been a um it's been a really um interesting year i think uh it, I did my um, publicist group uh, all staff town hall last week and one of the, the opening kind of comments is this year we, we didn't have a lockdown yeah. at all, which is remarkable. If you look at the last couple of years, that was the, the big topic of, the, of conversation, which was how do we navigate the pandemic lockdowns? And, and finally this year, we didn't have a lockdown at all anywhere in any of our um, any of our states or even in New Zealand. So I think that's something to be rejoiceful for. Who would have ever thought that, that would be a, yeah. a a point to talk about? Uh, but I guess, look, um, it's been a um, it's been a buoyant year for the industry, definitely. I think we, um, uh, across Australia and New Zealand, the industry grew by uh, over 8%, which is fantastic. And I think publicist group, we got our fair share of that growth. Uh, we obviously had a, a strong year in 2021. Sustaining that momentum into 22 was the focus, driving greater connections across the group, given we've got our connected platform, which is quite unique as a uh, as a holding company model was uh, was really what we wanted to try try and double down on given the success we had last year and i 'm you know very thankful to say that you know um, we we've, we've had a we've had a very good year this year as well you, you sort of spoke
0: about uh last year the the sort of importance of growth and kind of building on the success that you 've already got at the time um, this year as you mentioned uh we saw some record numbers. This year said Publicis was the, in terms of media spend, the biggest grower in terms of billings across 21. Um, what does that sort of do to a group when you have such big growth in a short amount of time? And how do you sort of balance sustaining that, as you said just there?
6: Yeah, look, it's, 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 um, it's an interesting question because, um, yeah, we, our, our media business has done very well these last 18 months uh, across the portfolio. Uh, so we're very, um, you know, we're very confident in the in the the brands, the teams, the leadership, the work they're doing for our clients. Uh, now it's just you know back to back growth is always a challenge when you come off a, a big year. But I guess the, the the great thing about the publicist group is we've got quite a diversified portfolio. We've got a very broad church of different types of agencies' capabilities. So you know, whilst our media agency continued to have another strong this year, this year the rest of our portfolio did as well. So. Uh, look, I think, um, it's, it's, it comes down to, you know, focus and not resting on your laurels and making sure you don't drink too much of your own Kool-Aid. Uh, I think we, 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 we like to kind of, um, you know, uh, make sure that we don't get too ahead of ourselves, uh, and focus on doing great things for clients. And I think that's how the growth um, comes and looking after your people. And then I guess from the perspective of your role in particular, uh, probably repeat this
0: each year since you've been doing these, but you're the only CEO which encompasses all of the brands within um, one of the, the holding groups in Australia. Um, your background, you had a long background at Saatchi's. You mentioned, I guess, the growth of the media agencies there, but then the broad church within that stable and within this building that we're in here. How do you um, how do you balance all those different, I guess, children? And ha- how do you... Uh, go about giving each of them, uh, I guess, their fair share of attention?
6: Yeah, uh, you probably need to get some of my other CEOs on the on the line and they can give you a perspective. But, look, we try and, uh, look, it's a lot of ground to cover. There really is. So we try and focus on where, I guess, the biggest opportunities are uh, and biggest possibilities we can create. Look, I also believe in having really strong leaders uh, and um, they kind of point and shoot me where, where they need that need me to help so I don't need to necessarily be everywhere because I have you know really strong leadership teams and I know all of our agencies have really strong leaders underneath uh, them as well so focusing on um that is really critical for me because I you know I'm one person across a, a broad church uh and we have a really good kind of connected culture across our leaders so we do have quite a good community that we um you know we 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 work together quite closely. Uh, so that builds a good spirit, that builds a real good, a really good muscle memory for us to, you know, at least be able to kind of, um, all be heading in the right direction. And that's really, I guess, the the, the essence of, of my role is to make sure that everyone, no matter what part of the group you're in, you're very clear on our purpose, you're very clear on why we exist. And we create a culture that allows really kind of um, easy connection, the ability to kind of bring ideas to, um, the wide range of clients we have, and, and be nimble enough to, to flex and adapt when a client um, uh, needs change. And so that really is, I guess, essentially um, what I try and do at the group rather than try and get into every single business and, yeah. and, and, and um, you know, um, be at, you know, all, all, you know, um, all places
0: all, at once. Yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. So speaking, I guess, of that, um, the culture across the building and trying to be in as many places as you can at once, um, you do have the unique, uh, I guess, situation of having all of your brands under one roof, at least here. Um, how, how's that gone this year? And what's the sort of approach been within Australia and New Zealand in, in, I guess, getting back to the office, hybrid working? Has it been a group approach? Has it been a brand by brand approach? And you've kind of delegated that to, for the individual brand leaders to decide. What's that been like this year?
6: Hey, look, um, I mean, I don't want to go over old ground from, our, you know, our first podcast recording, but I think, you know, what we did um, kind of um, share was that pre-COVID, we kind of believed that the future of work um, was one where people had choice, people had flexibility where, where they could build um, their life um, or build their work around their life rather than the other way around. So we were always looking at how do we build a more flexible culture and we launched Liberté. Clearly COVID, etc., accelerated that. Now, today, what well we're um, we're in a very fortunate position where, given that as part of our philosophy, we've really just seen a, a recalibration. So uh, right now, what I say to the, the different um, brands is we don't mandate that you can work uh, from home five days a week, and we don't mandate that you should be in the office mm-hmm. five days a week. Within that, depending on what type of agency brands you uh, work in, and each of the different CEOs of the agencies can choose um, their own um, their own biorhythm, their own cadence, and it really comes down to what our clients' needs are, what the function functional team needs are. Uh, so, by and large, we've we looked at the data as well. We're very happy with the flow we're getting back in in um, into the office in Sydney. I'd say, as as I'd imagine, most organisations are you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's kind of where we're getting the the, the, yeah. the majority, and and the Monday and Friday bookends are the ones where. You know, people are attending to work from home more, and that differs by city. I think if you look at Brisbane, it's probably more back to the office. Sydney is that kind of um, uh, that that kind of normal bell curve, and Melbourne, I think, is probably um, uh, is the is the market that people probably want to stay at home more than return mm. to the office. And I think it's up to the employer, and that's what we try to do at Publicis, is give people real reasons to come back. You can't just mandate to come back um, in today's kind of environment. Uh, so, look, I think you know. Ha- um, you know, we've come up with you know um, learning and development opportunities. We've created social connections. We created. I mean, as you see, the 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 office in Sydney is a really um, great place to come and work. So you've got to create a destination, yeah. uh, and I think there's a lot of that that is beholden upon um, the organisation to, to 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 provide, but also provide. I guess the um, the the reasons why because we fundamentally still believe that you can work from home, but you can't grow from home. Yeah, a- and I think. I think coming from
0: Melbourne, there's a little bit of scarring from uh, a few years of uh, pretty hectic
2: lockdowns.
6: Yeah, no, there is. And I think psychologically, we need to be really cognizant of that and work out, well, how do we help people come back to the office? Because you can't underestimate, it was the most lockdown city in in the world. So there is definitely a a different kind of um, strategy required for Melbourne.
0: And then, I guess, on talent, going into 2023, uh, you've got Jason Tonelli coming in as CEO of Zenith, I guess, crossing the floor uh, as it, as it is here um, to replace the recently departed Nidhi Scriven. Um, the, I guess the appointment of um, JT says a lot about the direction that you're taking the agency. Um, He's incredibly switched on, good with numbers, across the fine details, seems a perfect fit for what's the ROI agency. Um, Can you tell us a little bit, I guess, on top of that, why he was the the right appointment for that job and then, I guess, to keep um, Zenith on the growth path?
6: Sure. Look, um, JT's a uh, a, a great um, uh, talent within the group. He's been with the group for a number of years uh, and and always uh, has the right attitude, values, work ethic and talent He's he's got such diverse skills um, and really future proof skills and look I think we went to we, we, we chose JT because he was the best person for the job and we went to the market as well uh, and um, through that process uh, you know I, I, I love promoting people from within it's, it's great when you can do that you reward loyalty with growth and promotion JT has a, a set of skills um, in, in, in digital media. Uh, he was running Razorfish, so he learned a lot uh, more about the creative process and the creative product in, 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 in the CX and data space as well. So we believe that blend skills is really important to add, um, you know, to add some some new thinking some, to uh, to the Zenith um, uh, team. And the Zenith team, have got some some um, uh, some 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 great people there already. I had a fantastic year this year, so it's really had you kind of um, superpower zenith. And we think JT is a great cultural fit as well. And I think that's really important. Seeing the um, the, the alchemy between JT and that really strong leadership team in Zenith mm-hmm. was something we wanted to protect and nurture. So we we're really quite um, you know um, conscious about making sure that he would be a, uh, you know a great fit for for that. And and look, it doesn't start to Jan one. Although Jason can't help himself, so he's already been you know. Um, uh, you know, poking around and things, uh, are, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, and look, 2023 will be an exciting year for Zenith. And then, I guess, on the other hand, um, Nikki
0: Scriven, she was one of the more high-profile media agency CEOs in our industry. Um, what impact does uh, something like her departure have uh, on on that and the group and the agency?
6: Oh, look, Nikki has um, made a tremendous contribution to Zenith and mm-hmm. to the group over the nine years. So we're very thankful and grateful. Uh, for, for that. I would have loved to have seen Nikki go on and do um, uh, more. But look, I think eight years in, um, and I think six of those was as running Zenith this is a really strong term um, as a CEO. I think mm-hmm. the average CEO tenure is around seven to eight years in, in most organisations. So she was, and I, and I think she would have out, uh, that would have been longer than most, um uh, you know, media agency kind of tenures as well. So, look, we wish you well. Uh, and, she, and, and Nikki uh, is a entrepreneur. So, she's going on and doing her, her yeah. own thing, which is really interesting. Yeah. So, we wish her well. And, you know, who knows, one day, um, you know, um, we might acquire the business, <laughs> if it ever comes up for sale. You never know. Never say <laughs> anything goodbye. to get Nikki back. <laughs> <Yeah. you? laughs>
0: um, so, obviously, you're blessed to be able to hire from within. Um, and, you know, Publicis has done that quite a lot over recent years. Um, we know there, is, there has been a severe talent shortage over the past few years, and now the, the economy is turning. What do you think this means for talent within our industry? Um, how, are we, how is that going to be looking in 2023?
6: Look, well, Callum, I think it's been a really interesting circular uh, talent market these last three years. I think if you look at going back to 2020 with the crisis, there was a lot of organisations... You know making major restructuring we were fortunate to to protect as many people um through that period as, as we as we possibly could and then we saw the rebound in the market then we saw you know huge demand on talent a shortage due to a number of um, areas and, that, and that's been something that all agency leadership has had to kind of battle with and contend with this year the the inflation the entitlement um, escalation has been quite um, an interesting dynamic for mm-hmm. a lot of us to get our heads around um I think you know you, it comes back to um, is your organization a good destination for, for people to do the best work of their careers? What's the values? What's your views on D and I? Are you are you uh, is your culture a safe place to work? All those different areas I think have been important for businesses to make sure they've got the um job at the right level. Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job in the in the talent war this year, if you want to call it that. I think this year the average for um, uh, the industry in terms of vacancies is 14%. Yeah. We're sitting in just uh, around 7% as, as a group, so that's been pretty good. Um, and, look, you know, it's not to say we've filled every role we've wanted to fill, um, but I think we've had, you know, some very strong agency brand propositions coupled with, I guess, the group, uh, you know, um, what, what the group brings to the employment table as well um, has certainly helped us get, you know, people over the line and help us win, you know, uh, you know an unfair share of the best talent. And then
0: uh, I guess exactly on that, we have evidence that agencies have had to overpay for talent in the last 24 months or so. Um, do you think there'll be some sort of correction in the new year? And, and I guess does that leave some of those
6: who got into those roles maybe in a bit of a precarious situation? Yeah, look, I think, you know, to to answer your your question, um, I think there will certainly be some level of recalibration. There has to be. If you look at, I guess, the forecast for next year and and Zenith are forecasting a 3% um, uh, um, growth uh, in in investment in in media, which is down from this year. So we're going to start to see a slowing. You've already seen some, uh, organizations get ahead of that and start to make some um, uh, talent restructuring plans yeah. already. So I definitely think there is some um, uh, some some room there for recalibration, uh, and I do think that the you know what's happened this year will certainly um, slow down uh, in, into twenty twenty three, and I think it's it's necessary because it's unsustainable. Uh, the the fact is that you know, um, you know most um, businesses in media and creativity. Uh, the largest part of their their cost base is is is, is talent because yeah. talent is what we do. They bring the ideas, they bring the strategies, they bring the thinking, they bring the execution. And we've seen you know you know pretty um, pretty radical kind of wage um, uh, growth, salary inflation this year. But the issue has been that our pricing hasn't been able to keep up. Yeah, like it's very hard to renegotiate a contract mid term on a rate card that's based fundamentally on um, salary costs. So we haven't been able to keep up with that. So that isn't a sustainable model. So I think next year, given the economic headwinds, um, you know, there's going to be, um, I guess, a slowing down of that. I'm still pretty you know, enthusiastic and confident about 2023 uh, from a group point of view, but I do think these are some of the things that yeah. we'll start to see play out. I guess on that, um,
0: do you think in terms of, client behaviour? Are we going to see increased pitching or are clients going to be more reserved in 2023? How do you think that will affect behaviour?
6: Yeah, look, um, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm, I'm not sure exactly um, what will happen in that respect. Next year, I've been surprised, um, you know, in these last couple of years, what might necessarily trigger, I mean, I guess in terms of economic conditions might necessarily trigger a, a review or a um, or looking to to the market hasn't necessarily happened, and then sometimes it has. So I think um, if you are a strong partner to your client, and you're delivering for them now, uh, and you've got a good um, understanding of their business, then it would I think most of the um, you know the, the the really smart and strong clients out there will realise that actually going through. Uh, a slightly kind of um, cautious period with a bit, with, I guess what we're seeing some volatility, consumer spending challenge. You really want your best people around you. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, hopefully that, that sense will prevail because, you know, new business is fantastic. People, I mean, it's still one of the most exciting parts of the, the agency kind of business is, is new business. But actually, stability in a relationship is critical as well. Um, so if you're doing a great job delivering impact and value for your client, then hopefully, you know, um, uh, you know you'll know you um, avoid having to kind of, you know, go to tender next year.
0: And that comes back to exactly how we started this podcast discussion. Um, I guess in terms of new business, what would you, if you were to give yourself on the report card for 2022, how would you see uh, Publicis' performance?
6: Look, I think we've had a uh, you know a pretty good year. Uh, we've had over 100 uh, wins across the group in Australia and New Zealand and some pretty, um, you know, some pretty iconic um brands. Um, for example, you know, in Queensland, we won the Subway Media Business. We won Vodafone Creative Assignment with Saatchi and Saatchi. We won Lexus, the, the, the Creative CX and Data Business this year and launched Team One. Um, We've won the VAQ um, Digital Media Business. There's been quite a number of really strong wins. We retained the Aldi mm-hmm. uh, uh, pitch, which is a global tender. So we, we were very you know, um, fortunate and very thankful that we could retain that uh, partnership after six years of, of, of strong work with Aldi. So they're the kind of, I guess, some, just a selection of the, yeah. the new business um, uh, uh, wins we've had this year. So we have very strong growth and momentum. The other great thing that we we are um, quite focused on is, um, and that's the that's really how we kind of help clients, is how do we connect all the different type of capabilities and solutions together for them so they don't have to do it in managing an agency yep. ecosystem. So that multiplier effect, that connected platform that we deliver for clients, we've seen that grow as well. So the number of um, agencies maybe working on a client has has grown as well. So yep. it's not just the net to group that we are um, you know um, very proud of and give ourselves a you know a good rating on the scorecard. It's the number of um, connections we've made and increasing those um which is I'm 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 really proud of the team. So you know we're not I wouldn't say uh, we're 10 out of 10, um, but we're certainly up in the in, uh, on the high side of that scorecard. And
0: yeah. uh, uh, just just a final one on that point. I guess on the other way, were there any that you were sad to see go or? Um...
6: Oh, look, Callum, there's always one or two that yeah. you would have you know you you would have liked to have um, um, you know um, one. I try not to focus too much on yep. those. I'm focusing on the over the the 100 that we did win. Uh, but there were certainly a couple that you know we 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 should have won. Uh, on paper, were designed, you know, um, designed very well for the, what the publisher's group proposition is. We didn't, we didn't get there, um, but that's 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 the um, that's the business, right? Yeah. Um, new business is what you you know what the RFP might suggest and where the decision goes may not necessarily always marry up. So. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've been, um, even on the one or two that we, sh- we would have liked to once which we didn't, we were very thankful to be part of the process because you learn. Yeah. I, I have this saying that, um, it, you know, every, every loss is a learning and there was a lot of things that we had learned from the ones that got away as well, which I think has um, really helped us um, define um, and redefine and tighten up our proposition and narrative as a group.
0: Now, I know that's not what you were suggesting at all there, but um, I, w- I wanted to get your uh, thinking on, the, I guess, in some quarters, some suggest that certain pitches ha- have sometimes got predetermined winners. Do you think that there is a that this is a case at all in the industry? Is there an issue there? Is it something that needs to be addressed?
6: Look, I'm not necessarily sure there's a... Um a predetermined winner per se because I think most clients, if they want to work with an agency, they'll just go and engage them or if they want to retain their agency, they'll just retain them. And Because so, it's a lot of, it's a, I think what um, a lot of the commentary is, forgets is that it's a lot of work on a client mm-hmm. to run a pitch process on their time on top of their day job. Um, and engaging a consultant, even if they have a consultant, still a lot of time on a, on a client side as well, and cost to them when they should, you know, when they could be out there driving, you know, new 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 customers into their business. So, on the whole, I think um, no no pitch is the same, right? Oh, okay? yeah. And I think that's that for me um, to put all pitches in, into the one generalization is is a bit of a um, is a bit of a mistake. No pitches are the same, but there are certainly some pitches that are run better than others, mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt. And that doesn't necessarily mean all the big ones are run better and all the small ones aren't. It's, it's not even about size. It's just about what the intent is, what's the criteria, why are you going to pitch. Um, and sometimes, look, I think one of the things that we have noticed is when there's an intermediary or a consultant involved, there's a lot more transparency. It's, the process is more clearly defined. There's criteria. There's feedback. Uh, and, um, you know, there's certainly a level of governance there. Uh, that's not to say, you know, um, that it's the only way to achieve that. Uh, but yeah, there is certainly, um, some inconsistency in pitching. Yeah. Uh, and if you talk to the media ranges and you look at, you know, I uh, sit on the MFA board as well as the ad council board. And it's certainly an issue when we look at it at an industry level. Um, we haven't solved it yet, but sometimes we're our, our own worst enemy as an industry because, you know, um, is there, is there a way to address that? Look, we've, we've tried the, 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 the MFA brought out the, um, the, the guidelines which mm-hmm. was endorsed by the double around the, the best practice to, yep. to media pitching, are those being used? Probably very uh, you know, few and far between. <laughs> if you were to ask you know the pitches we've been in, yeah. um, have they have they followed the MFA best practice pitch guidelines? No. Um sure some have probably referred to them, but is there a way? Look, I think also as I said, sometimes agencies can exacerbate the problem because a principle is only a principle until it costs you something. And there are some agencies, they're willing to do whatever it takes to to be involved in a pitch, to, to win a pitch. And that doesn't, that hurts all of us, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are a professional services industry. And sometimes I think we can forget that. Uh, and, and we've got to make sure that if we are to be taken seriously, that we, we, we operate with a code of conduct, um, that even if it's to our disadvantage, we we follow that. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about agency output. Um, One of the highlights, I'm sure, no doubt, for the year would be the success at Cannes um, of Leo Burnett um, Mm. with Suncorp. Um, I'd just like to get your thoughts on what this does for the reputation of the group when you've got one of the oldest brands in global advertising scooping up potentially Mm. the top award uh, that you could have Possibly hoped for at the yeah. the
6: biggest advertising award show of the year. Look, uh, it's it's an amazing uh, idea uh, that uh, was collectively um, produced by Leo Burnett uh, and Suncorp and a range of other suppliers and partners that aren't necessarily in the group. So we we thank everyone for the collaborative effort on, on that uh, and then the media partner uh, OMD. So um, look for us, it's 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 the pinnacle of. Um, of what we do for clients because it shows how both courageous thinking uh, and ideas can not just create a great campaign but can really shape an organization's kind of purpose. And what we love about the Suncorp One House idea is the fact that it's, for starters, it's not just an advertising campaign, it is really um, a real world idea that will have an impact into uh, how we can make people's lives um, safer uh, through natural disasters uh it's also you know a big part now of the suncorp purpose which is around resilience so to be able to help and shape that of an organization that size has been fantastic and look we have a really strong uh you know um uh, partnership with the with the team there with mim Haston and, and, and her marketing team because great agencies can't make great ideas without great clients mm-hmm. and you need that partnership you need the the the, the, the um it's an art for clients to be able to get such big ideas with the level of investment required that are quite courageous through the halls of an organisation like that. Um, and um, you can't do this on your own. So what it does for us is it, it shows us that, you know, um, what we're doing is working. Um, the accolades are great. Winning awards is also great. It helps with um, talent attraction. Because uh, a lot of people go, oh, why do you interest so in into awards? Well, actually great talent want to work where they think they can do the best work of their careers. So if you're doing that, it helps with the talent yeah. proposition to our really a point around the, the talent wars. Uh, and, and look, it's um you know it's, it's great um, for Leo Burnett to be have that recognition. They deserve it, they've worked very hard. It's been a you know it's been a, a long journey to get to that idea say that idea to fruition. is now it's backed up with, with the second campaign and Resilience Road, and now we're looking at the uh, you know what, what happens in the future. So it's an exciting challenge for Leo's right now. And then uh, Aside
0: from that, um, now full transparency, these next two questions came from one of your executives. Um, What what are you most proud of this year, first off? off?
6: Look, um, I'm proud of the sustained momentum we've had. Uh, We had a very strong year last year. It's always hard, it's always easy to go backwards from that. I think uh, the focus that our team have had, the, the connectivity that we've now got, we were pretty connected last year, but the connectivity we've got now as a culture, Uh, And the way that's kind of um, started to now go wider and deeper in the organisation is, I think, is really um, powerful for us. Our clients are seeing that. They're seeing uh, Publicis and its collection of agencies coming together in ways to solve their problems um, more seamlessly than we've probably um, seen before. So I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of the growth we've had. Uh, I'll tell you one thing I'm I'm, I'm proud of as well, um, and this is not to be underscored, uh, is... And we forget about this now is, you know, we started this year coming out of um, COVID and the lockdown, but then we had a war in Ukraine uh, and that rocked the world. It's kind of gone off the news agenda, as you know. I were mm-hmm. talking about before. And one of the things that um, most businesses may not know is that we have a business that had a team of 30 people in the Ukraine. It's called Balance Internet. It was our acquisition we made two years ago. Uh, it's an e-commerce um, uh, design consultancy business. And we had a team of 30 people um, uh, working in Ukraine and our ability to, we redeployed five of the staff to Melbourne to set up new lives here. The other uh, 26 um, uh, we relocated across Europe with the help of, of publicists in, mm-hmm. in Europe and the talent teams here and the teams working out of um, Melbourne. So that is something we're very proud of uh, as well. Um, and um you know, we, we we hope that there is, you know, some some finality to that in the near future.
0: Uh, and then I guess the second, well, the second part to the, that question is what what was the one that got away for you and uh, and w- whatever it was, what what were the learnings there?
6: Look, um, I wouldn't say there's anything that really kind of, um, um, you know, we're sitting here going, oh, you know, we... If um, only, yeah. Yeah, and because and, and, sometimes, you know, um, there's things that are out of, out of your control. Um, that you have no idea about so I don't think we have, look we always want to be better Cal we also strive to reflect on um, you know what we're doing well um, if we've um, you know um, you know lost a pitch or we could have done something better or you know we, we always try to you know, do an analysis on how we could how we could perform better um, and so and and um, that just doesn't come from me that comes from the team I think. You know, great organizations, great teams are the ones that are the toughest. They're they're their toughest judges, right? Um, so I think the way we judge ourselves hopefully is tougher than how the market would as well. So um, yeah, every 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 time you um, don't achieve what you want to achieve, there's a learning from that. We take that on board. Um, but I don't think there's anything that I look back and go, gosh, um, I, I wish we'd won that um, or had done that. And there's still lots to do. Still yeah. Lots to strive for. Um, but yeah, it's um it's it's not, um, it's not, it's not, it's not perfect, but we're in a good place. And just finally, Mike, uh, what do you think
0: going into twenty twenty three? The main battlegrounds for agencies will be, and on that, how will publicist continue to look to differentiate itself?
6: Look, I think we're up for a, a volatile year next year. I think everyone's going to be, um, you know, looking coming out of the, 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 the uh, Christmas holidays with. Um, Hopefully, some fervor and some excitement and some enthusiasm and optimism. That's how I'm going to be taking on uh, 2023. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be naive to think that there's not uh, going to be some level of uncertainty there. So I think it was going to be taking it month to month, quarter to quarter. I think there'll still be, um, uh, you know, it'll still be fierce on talent. I don't think that's going to go away soon, even any even with the um, uh, the headwinds. I still think we're going to. I don't think we've re- we've replenished the supply of talent to the market yet. So I think there's going to be some natural um, supply and demand challenges there I think um, you know um, I'm hoping that in the in the face of um, uh, you know some some risk aversion that we we, we lean into taking more bold and courageous um, ideas to market as an industry and that's what we're going to be encouraging at the group here and in, in really bringing creativity and innovation to to help our clients through and what might be a, a more challenging set of um, um, trading conditions and that tends to be um, at odds with that because you know when you're looking at how do you get, how do you get more demand or how do you make yourself more desirable to a customer um, you're also facing with well how do I kind of work the economics around that and that tends to kind of lead us into a space of risk aversion and conservatism and I'm hoping that actually what we've learned through the last couple of years, That actually, you know, use creativity, use bold thinking, use innovation, use your imagination to kind of connect more, to entertain more, to educate more, to provide greater functional uh, purpose for your brand or your product. And that's the part that I think um, we'll see a resurgence in in 2023 and that's certainly, I think, the publicist group's position on, on next year.
0: Well, Mike, um, we'll get the Diary uh, spot in for December next year. Um, But for this year, it's been great having you on and thanks for
6: uh, sharing everything for us in
1: 2022.
6: Thank you, Callum, for having me once again. And to all the listeners, to you, you, you and your family, so I hope you have a great holiday and festive season.
0: Well, that is it. Thank you to all that have listened to us throughout the year. It's been a pleasure for myself and our team uh, to record these each week. And we hope to see you again in 2023. Uh, as I mentioned, there'll be a special edition in your feeds tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. But for now, Banksy, M, Damo, Kalila and Darcy, thank you very much, not just for joining me today, but throughout the year.
2: Thanks.
3: Bye. Thanks, Carl.
0: Thanks, Bye. <laughs>